The Devin Townsend Podcast is presented by Inside Out Music, and this month's featured release is by a band called Alcrest, and the album is called The Approbation. The Approbation? One of those two. Buy it if you want it. It's probably good. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Devin Townsend again for the Devin Townsend Podcast, Episode 2. This time, I'm going to try and interview somebody. And uh, I haven't figured out my camera yet. I haven't figured out my camera angles yet. I haven't figured out color yet. But I'm getting there. And for the first interview, I'm going to start with the most obvious choice for me, and that is Steve Vai, who is friend, mentor, guitar genius... Uh, I'd be surprised if you if you're paying attention to what I do and you don't know who he is I'd be shocked um, Steve has uh, been there for 30 some odd years in my life I sang on the record Sex and Religion with him back in 1991 and uh, through all the ups and downs we've become very close friends so I figured that the best way to start Devin Townsend podcast including interviews would be with Steve. But it's the same idea. <clears throat> Excuse me. Going through um, the idea of what it takes to get into your creative process, what is involved with the creative process from the point of view of other artists. And so, yeah, let's see if this works. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Vai. We're going to figure this out. It's going to be sweet. <clears throat> Hey, if we can record pig, we can figure this out. <laughs> yeah, man, I think it's a it's a different part, different part of the brain. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the past couple of years, I've I, you know the amount of time that we've spent trying to figure out technology has been fucking crazy, dude. So, so where are you? You're in Adelaide. I'm in Adelaide right now. What's the weather like? It's kind of nice out. I'm I'm sporting a little bit of a head cold, but uh, yeah, all is good. I was talking. Yeah, to, how are you? I'm good, man. I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, she just went on tour, and and we're under the impression that prerequisite for any tour is that you got to feel like you're going to be sick for the whole thing, like you're going to lose your voice or or what have you, right? Like, uh, well, you know, it's uh, I'm sorry to say, but uh, the other day, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was on stage and. Uh, I was so happy I wasn't a singer. <laughs> it's just like I was trying to talk to the audience, and the only thing that was coming out was squeaks. Oh, buddy, I uh, <laughs> I was I, I was trying to uh, trying to think of a, like a way to describe it uh, to another friend who who was stressed because they were going on tour and they they felt like they were sick and they were losing their voice and they were looking for a pointer or two as to how to navigate that and i'm thinking man when your voice decides to go there's nothing you can do there's nothing you can do it's it's one of the most uh uh humiliating things that you can go through i think as a performer is to step out in front of a bunch of people and just have nothing like you just suggested like nothing yeah. right well yeah, do you notice that do you notice that when that happens though a lot of the times before you get on stage you feel like, oh shit, 
there's there's nothing there but then it, it comes it that something comes you know and it's there but some you know there's those there's those times where nope <laughs> sometimes man but i gotta say dude there's there's there are times when just nothing nothing happens it's uh there's a couple yeah. of notes in the set i was rehearsing today you know trying to get the voice back into shape because i leave on saturday yeah. uh, to where you are now actually and um and uh, there's there's a couple of high notes in there that if I'm on point, it's like a really effective little trick. But if I'm not, man, it's just like Marge Simpson the whole way. <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it. I um. Well, I remember when we toured. I don't believe there was one single night where you didn't you didn't deliver, man. Oh, buddy, you know what? Um, hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? When we first started working together, I was, I was so. Uh, I remember as a kid actually sitting around in my in my buddy's house and maybe twelve years old and making this internal question to myself, like posing this question: Is do you want to be a guitar player or do you want to be a singer? And I couldn't figure it out. And I I was like, okay, I'll be like an enduro bike. We'll do both. But when we met, I I was so shocked that I was all of a sudden going to be a singer that that first tour that we did together, man, I was thinking, and you remember, I'm sure I was like, I can't fucking do this. There's no way it's like between the pressure and just the physical attributes. You you had sent me to a, a vocal coach in Los Angeles when I was living down there with you. Roger Love, I think was his name. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's like the Sven Gali of vocal teachers. I I may have told you at the time, but I don't I don't know if uh, if you remember how my experience with him went. We we went and he was like, okay, uh, you know, he has all the gold and platinum albums on the wall, and he yeah. says, I'd like yeah. you to sing for me. And so I hacked out the things that I do, and and he was like, and you could just see the look in his face. He's like, oh shit, this is I don't know how this <laughs> going to go, right? And um. And I, I was showing him my technique and how I was screaming and all this. And he says, well, I hate to tell you this, but if you keep doing that with the technique that you have, I give you two years tops before you're not going to be able to sing anymore. And then when you and I finished the record, I remember bringing the record into him because I could tell he was frustrated and, and, and he just, you know, he didn't think that I, I had what it took to be a professional singer. And then he listened to the record. He just looked so defeated. He was like, <laughs> he's like people are going to think you're, no really, doubt. you're really fucking good. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was on. You your know, that's funny that you had. I, I think it was only recently that I I read or heard you say that in the earlier days, you weren't sure if you wanted to be a guitar player or a singer. Yeah, I, I didn't really know that back then, and uh, because you, I was, I thought you were a singer, but I was so surprised at how much technique you had. It was go gorgeous technique, and uh, but your voice was so. Um, I mean, I guess you know I was focusing on the guitar, and your uh, your God. voice was just so there, man. <laughs> I mean, really, it, it, I would never have suspected. <laughs> nor i to be honest if it hadn't been for you i doubt i, I doubt i'd still be singing i mean i uh well then it, i'm patting myself on the back well thank you again, <laughs> man. i mean it was funny it was like i was uh, when i was a teen like everybody in in our age group man we all listened to passion of warfare we all listened to joe we listened to you and paul gilbert and ingve and it was just such a it's such a thing right and 
And I remember when I first uh, when I first heard the David Lee Roth record with you, I had this. I remember even my friend at the time. He got super weirded out when we were listening to it together. He was like, "I <laughs> I, I don't want to hear this." And I remember thinking, "What a weird reaction from this guy!" But it was almost like this precursor to the fact that that only a few years later you and I would be working together. It was like this weird thing on his part where it was like, I don't know, maybe he had a premonition about it or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. But back yeah. then it was, it was all guitar for us. That's all any of us did. It was such a, it was such a huge part of my life and, and singing. The only reason I ever sang was just to facilitate the ideas until I could find somebody better. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, that, uh, good luck with that. <laughs> well, thanks, man. But I'm sure you were the same, right? Because you sang since the beginning as well to facilitate your ideas, right? Well, you know, when I was in high school, I loved the idea of singing, and I was uh, <clears throat> I was in chorus. I used to do, get all the solos, and I liked it, but. Um, when Led Zeppelin came along, I I fell so in love with Jimmy Page, mm. and the, I I like the uh, the lead singer guy playing guitar on the side. Uh, that that just kind of resonated with me. I I never saw myself as a uh, a singer in the front singing. I I didn't I didn't think much of my voice. I didn't have a rock and roll voice at all. But mm. I do like singing, and I have on most of my records a little bit at least. But through the years, um, in reflecting back, yeah, I'm no way. There's no way. <laughs> you know, the the the, the it's funny. It's, uh, oh, sorry, too, too precarious for me. It was just too much pressure to <laughs> have to get on a stage and deliver with my voice every oh. night. I just like oh. tonight. If I had to sing tonight, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Dev. I know this. Guy. It's okay, I leave on Saturday. I don't. I'm 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 sing I'm singing your pain, but uh, you know you every we, you 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 figure it out and you do always delivered. You've always delivered, Thanks, man. and man, thank God you decided to sing because <laughs> yeah. there's nothing like it. There is nothing like it. I mean, I listen when I listen back to uh, I uh, during I think it was the 30th anniversary of Sex and Religion came up recently. Mm -hmm. Was it thirty? And I listened to the record, and the, the we worked fucking hard on that record. Yeah, we did, man. dude. Yeah, we did. And it was it was such the a struggle. vocals are just they're <laughs> they're thick and they're rich and they're on point and they're intense. Still to this day, one of my favorite moments in any of my records is your vocal so vocal solo in Touching Tongues. Do you remember that when you did that? Yeah, of course. And you know what's interesting about that time too is is the performance and everything that went along with that had so much to do with you producing it, right? Like I was uh, greener than green. I remember when I first got down to your place and uh uh you know there's all these video cassettes, video cassettes, right? But yeah. uh you know, with you, with White Snake and David Lee Roth and Zappa and all these things, and I'm sitting in your your where you keep your guitars, trying to learn how to fucking sing. I remember you in had the vault, yeah, dude. I because you you said here's the demos of the of the music, and so I spent like a month prior to us uh, getting into the studio, stressing because I essentially thought, well, as soon as 
And this is one of the things I was even going to ask you about is it's imposter syndrome, right? Because I thought, well, as soon as I get behind that that window, he's going to know I can't fucking sing. There's no question, <laughs> right? And so I remember sitting up in that room, flanked by all these images of of these these you know characters that I had grown up listening to and participating with, and just just existential crisis after existential crisis in your vault there <laughs> and then when we finally started singing i remember that first day it was such a relief because yeah. i remember you being psyched on it and and thinking oh okay well worst case scenario worst case scenario i know that i can rely on 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 this and that and you know one or two little things that can kind of smooth over the uh the lack of technique right so thank you. Oh my goodness. Well, I didn't see any of that. I just saw this unbridled talent and I love I always loved a, a vocal voice that could uh in that higher range own it, like really own it. And because you know, I I remember you even trying to teach me a little bit because I would say how do you, how do you do that? How do you get that power? Because I mean, I get to like an E, and then it's all falsetto, and it's and and you just said, "Well, I just do it." Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just comes out. It and you were so you were you were a prince. You were so patient. You were so um, well. You know, besides all the crazy, unpredictable stuff, which I got a big kick out of, but yeah. you were just so such a prince in the studio. You know, you everything. Dude, maybe see this is where I start questioning uh uh whether or not your impressions of of my vocal techniques are as uh, accurate as you remember because I don't remember myself being a prince, man. I remember myself being being a lot of work. <laughs> so Well, it, it, I was coming from a place where there it it always took a lot of work mm. because I was a bit neurotic. I mean, you you see now like when you do your vocals you 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 blast through them you've right. got the confidence you got the and you you were doing that then but i was just a lot more neurotic about having it a certain way and uh, and that when the 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 princeliness was your patience you know you really didn't balk at anything and <laughs> was just a, a, a great sport about jumping into anything Man. i mean really Really May easy. About that. May I ask you about your your you you said you were neurotic. That's that was your that was your uh, impression of 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 your process at the time. Forensic, forensic. No, that that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I think maybe it's not neurotic. Distinction, but one nonetheless, right? Like, yeah. Well, oh, you know, getting into this first off, I I, I appreciate so much. Uh, you know, for anybody watching this, uh, Steve's been on tour endlessly so he's been in in china and philippines and malaysia and he just landed in australia and because i'm leaving for australia in a couple of days trying to set this up because you know i wanted you to be the the first guest on this uh podcast which is in essence trying to describe uh what it takes to create art and create music and the creative process of different people and in hopes that it will resonate with people who are also trying to do it and say oh shit this is ubiquitous like everybody goes through this but yeah. steve has taken so much uh care with me over the years thank you but also with this interview man thanks for making this happen and and um 
if you don't mind, I would love to pick your brain on 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 how you create. I'll do my best. <laughs> really? Okay. Well, so listen, we were we were talking. You were here. You came over a couple of months back, which was amazing because I think it was almost. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Because it was almost the first time when we were sitting here. I was like, man, we we can jam now. Like after all these years of knowing each other, we can. It's like we're not necessarily stepping on each other's toes at this point. It's like we can create, right? But starting this process, I'm reminded of how much of the creative process everybody goes through the same pitfalls. And when you when you said, you know, the forensic nature of of how you were working back then, I learned like so much from you on a production level. But when you're starting a process, when you're starting a record, um, Let's just go to the very start of a process. Say you have a blank page. You know, you finished a record, you finished a tour. Now you've got time. Maybe there's no inspiration. Maybe you don't have like a like a dedicated theme that you're wanting to follow. What's your process when you start? Well, um, the process starts before in that. Whenever I and I, I'm sure you resonate with this because I think I think this is the, uh, the the process that happens when we're engaging in our natural creative instincts. You know, our because I believe everybody has something that they are naturally gifted with that they s- kind of see clearly. Some people it's music, some people it's cooking, some people it's bricklaying. You know, it's, it's whatever it is across the board. And uh, for me, <clears throat> I, I try to, uh, to take snapshots of little little DNAs of ideas, and I just capture them. I started doing this when I was like 13, actually, because you can never underestimate the power of, of your own good ideas and how they resonate with you. So I wait for something that gives me an aha moment. And, and you know that feeling. It's like, Ah, ah, yes, must do. And <laughs> and there's, there's an alignment of several different things. And the first the first thing is the feeling of enthusiasm. You know, it's like, yes. And then there's this knowing, I can do that. I know I can do that. Now, this is contrary to fantasies of wanting to like being inspired by watching somebody else do something and going, I want to do that. There's, there's always like a static in it or something, but when you're, when the unique idea that's built for you comes, uh, I try to uh, take a snapshot of it. And usually it's like on my iPhone or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then if I'm in a, uh, if I'm in a place where I need a song, well, but actually what happens is I do this all through the year. And then at the end of the year, and it's one of my favorite parts of the year, you know, I sit and I go through the hundreds of little snippets and I delegate them to various folders. Same one. Folder, yeah. Right. Yep. One folder might be, this is good for an acoustic record. This is good for an instrumental rock song. This is a metal song. This is a big band. This is a um, orchestra piece idea. And then um, I, based on the project that I'm looking to do, I start cherry picking ideas. And then 
the DNA of the inspiration is still in it. And once once I can grab that, I just run with it. And and everything really flows then in the moment relatively relatively easily when I'm allowing my natural creative instincts to flow as opposed to feeling like I, I have an agenda or I'm competing or I have to do something uh, that I don't really want to do, but I think I should because everybody's telling me you should do that. <laughs> you know, these kinds of things, that, that all creates um, dysfunction in the manifesting of your real uh, unique creative DNA uh, in the music. So, like on the last record, uh, In Violet, that came about very differently than my last records because we were in lockdown. And uh, it, it was just a couple of things. I had some time to work on this weird technique. Uh, I called it joint shifting, and it was this one song that I, I – and I wanted to get some stuff out to the fans, so I recorded this track, Candle Power. And I'm like, wow, that's not a bad little track, you know? So I put it on the shelf. And uh, then other things came along, like uh, the, the inspiration for the Hydra, you know, that that came like six, seven years ago. And then it was a slow process of manifesting that. And that was so much fun, you know, because you know that feeling like, okay, so there's a song on the record called Little Pretty. And this just like, just I just had some chord changes and I just like, you know, recorded up sitting by my bed. And but there was some you you know that feeling. There's something in there. So you honor it and you leave it. Well, at least I left it because I've got so many of them, you know. But then some of them just just keep, you know, gnawing at you. They're like, no, you have to do me now. And uh all I needed was a few bars. And the whole song was there, the, the whole thing. And you, you, you are brutally creative, Devin. I mean, you're asking me about this stuff. Oh, shit. I mean, you are prolific beyond, you're like Frank. You're prolific like Frank was. And you're the only one I can say that about that I know. That's that's very, very flattering, brother. I mean, but- just calling an ace an ace. It's true. You just blast out stuff. You know that feeling of being in the thralls of creative passion. You, the right things happen immediately because you're in your you're in your nut. Well, you know? <laughs> I'm in my nut a lot, buddy. But the uh, <laughs> well, no. The, and the reason the reason why it's important for me to to ask other people is is. You know, in the beginning of a process like like the one that I'm I'm just starting on now, there's so many of these patterns that repeat, no matter what it is that you're you're invested in, um, and the insecurity, the imposter syndrome, the blank page. The there's it's like post uh, a, a a particular period of our life where there's that's been rife with um, change pandemic and and all the things that have happened over the past couple of years it's like i'm such a slow learner when it comes to incorporating things and in order for that productivity and for that creative impulse to take root without me paying much attention to it just allowing it to be what it is all those experiences have to settle they have to sort of I, i say they have to coagulate into an identity that i can then draw from 
And just like what you had suggested on my phone, I'll have these little fragments of ideas that might come from a dream or, or I'll be sitting with a guitar and then I'm like, oh, that piques my interest to some degree, put it in certain folders, exactly the same as you. But the process really begins for me when none of them make sense. You know, it's like, as I'm listening through it, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's, that's clever. That's cute. That's heavy. That's this and that. But none of them seem to accurately uh, create the atmosphere of what it is that I've been through. And so when you do find that one moment where there's a, just all, like you say, it could be like a, an eight bar fragment that you're like, what is it about the DNA of that idea right there that encapsulates yeah. this period of, of me and my work, right? Yeah. Do you, do you suffer from imposter syndrome at all? I mean, I mean, you're Steve Vai. I mean, it's crazy to think, but do you? Well, uh, I recognize it when I'm doing it. What do you mean? I, don't, uh, I, I, I hear uh, uh, there's the ego and the ego is always trying to sabotage you. You know, it's always telling you, you need to stack up. You need to be better than your, this sucks. What if you fail at this? What uh, this is, this isn't what everybody's interested in. Um, all these kinds of things. But I, I know that in all of us, there is a, the, you, if you can if you can put all that aside, there is a flow that wants to come through you easily and uniquely at the right time. You see, that's the thing. You have to. Uh, I, I've noticed that I I can't be anxious about. Well, what am I going to do with this? You know, I I, I at first. I, I used to feel that um, I used to feel that, but then if you look at the evidence of your past, you'll recognize that when you're in the moment of doing it, that's the only time that those ideas will come, that they can really uh, be be manifested. I and mean, you might get inspirations here and there, but um, it's it, so I tell myself it's there. Have faith in it. Don't uh, recognize when you're doubting yourself, and ignore that. It's hard. You can't ignore it. It's you're going to be bombarded with the imposter syndrome thing. Yeah, it's it's just the it's we've it's conditioned into us by the world, you know. So when you recognize it's a it's a conditioning and it's not true, then you you you. You can you, you you can be selfish with your creativity, in a way. You know what I mean? I do. Selfish in that I'm allowed to do whatever the fuck I want. There's really no rules, and there's nobody judging me, really. Well, question you know? for you then: what, Do you have any advice that you could give to somebody that doesn't have the the benefit of having a, a catalog of things they can take faith in? You know what I mean? It's like. Because when you say, oh, in the past, you're able to draw from the fact that in the past, I was able to to get past this this egocentric uh, uh, sabotage. But what if you're just starting out? What if you're just it's your first record and you're and you're 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 plagued with maybe you were told when you were growing up that, you know, musicians are a lower form of life or that you're not creative. That's not part of the family. Like, do you have any suggestions as to how to navigate it in that scenario? Yeah. Um, 
try to try to recognize how you feel about uh, what you're doing because that that will tell you that will help the direction because if there's fear in what you're doing then it's it's not natural to you and and you'll be chasing something that is is not necessarily your creative joy mm. you know whereas there is a unique voice in you that 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 wants to come through now the, the, there's all sorts of different musicians you know um some people uh, may not necessarily uh work best on their own you know uh if you may feel like i like playing or i like doing this but i don't really have uh those creative ideas for songs or lyrics or things like that maybe it's you have a creative component uh, that's out there and you need to find somebody to work with to to create that synergy that that's possible too but you'll know because you it, it, there's a there's a clear picture underneath the fear and the, the the fear when i say that i'm referring to anything the imposter syndrome the the fear of failing the fear of not being good enough the, the you know all of that stuff the, the, you have to recognize when you're becoming a victim of that and realize that within you is a place where that doesn't exist and what what does exist in that place is just your good time flow just the thing that feels good while you're doing it and like, and that's sorry no no go ahead yeah and and that's that's your your natural state of creativity uh, that that when you find that and you embrace it sure there's still going to be uh, torment of such along the way uh, because sometimes you know we express the way we feel we express about experiences in our life we express where we're at and if we're going through turmoil that may reflect in what we're doing but still there's a there's a, a flow there's a flow there's there's no questioning if there's a question it only means that the time hasn't come yet for that answer that's a good point and gotta, yeah and you got to be paid you have to have faith and trust in the universe that it's going to be there no that's a good point i mean it's also like you'd suggested and i think it's worth going back to um there are so many different types of musicians and 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 often uh i tend to confuse the audience that i've been fortunate enough to sort of accrue over the years based on doing something and then and then promptly doing something different but as i've tried to express uh in the past the process and this is why this podcast is is important to me the process is more important than any song any music any piece of uh uh you know sonic yeah. information and that process is going to be so individual right like everybody who comes into this is trying to rend themselves unconsciously or consciously in a way that can uh, uh really get to the next level and i think fear i find it's it's such a an interesting impetus for creative compulsion for me because every time i start a process it's about the things that intrigue me are the things that freak me out, you know, like, like 
there's something in that idea there that I'm really uncomfortable with and not and and not because it's dark or because it's malevolent although that's sometimes the case sometimes it's the opposite sometimes because it's vulnerable or sometimes it's because it's banal right but yeah. in the process of trying to identify where you've settled during a particular period of your life post covid you know <laughs> first having a kid you know you're yeah. <laughs> right all yeah. these things present themselves in ways that you're like okay well the facing of the fear is actually how do you follow an idea that seems completely um uh, absurd in light of what your career is what your identity is based on you know but if your compulsion is to follow that thing it, it's it's like breaking through that is the fundamental part of taking that next step and i i find the existential drama that goes into each record now i'm more used to it because when i was younger i used to think that everyone was like the end of the world you know what i mean or the beginning of the world it was like this moment and this particular fear set whatever it's rooted in is the pinnacle of everything that i've been trying to uh uh attain as an artist or a performer only to realize I'm like, no, that was last year. And then there's another one next year. And there's another one next year. And there's another one next year. Yeah. And I keep thinking that what if at the end of the rainbow, you're just not a musician anymore? Maybe you're just like, oh, okay. Maybe the function of art on some level was a need for validation. I'm not saying it is, but what if, what if at the end you're just like, man, I've run out of things to say. And at that point you're in a, you're in a, it's a, it's a dual edged sword because on one side you're like, well, this is fantastic because I think I sorted myself out as a result of vomiting this shit up for 50 years or whatever it is. But on the other hand, you're like, uh oh, now what do we do for a living? <laughs> but yeah, different, right? Yeah, I think that's a natural process uh, that we go through where we can look back at everything that we've done and crit criticize it and, and wonder, was that really what I was supposed to do? You know, do you do and uh, I think about that. I think about that. And it's true because it, it was what you were supposed to do because it got you to a particular point. Sure. Yeah. And there's no mistakes that you see the way we, the way we view our life, our work, everything, it's really a mixed bag based on what you choose to want to believe and what, what you believe about it will become your truth and that will become your reality. But at the end of the day, I, I, this is this is the way I see it. Mm. You can you can it can look as though you've made mistakes, but in reality, there are no mistakes because if you if you recognize something that you want to change, then you change it, and you didn't have the tools to change it before, so you needed the tools. So the, the the experience was necessary. So now you have a new vantage point, and mm. and this is constantly, constantly happening to everybody. The 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 problem is when you go through something, and then you look back and you say, I I okay, now I get it. Every but, time. Yeah, but boy, I I certainly was an asshole, and boy, now I'm damaged. And why did I do that? And you bring that into your present moment where all your power is hmm. and 
you re- you will repeat the past in a different form. So the, it, it, it's your now, all your power is in moving forward in the now and l- l- allowing the past to be what it is, because you're never going to figure out what it was, because it's always going to be based on the meaning that you give it. And the meaning we give the past is always changing. So all bets are off on the real meaning of it. Do you, and, and, I'm sorry? Do you work with themes? Uh, occasionally, mm. yeah. Occasionally, I like. Um, I have this uh, long uh, trilogy of records that I'm working on. Started out with Real Illusions, and the second installment was Story of Light. And then I have another big uh, kind of. Pro- that's what I was going to do uh, before the pandemic, but uh, you know things changed. Uh, yeah, there there are there are themes and. Um, you know things change yeah buddy <laughs> fucking yeah. i uh well, i remember when i first heard um i guess the first uh, real time that i started listening to your work i mean i'd heard the little flexi disc that came in uh the guitar magazine for attitude song <laughs> and all that yeah. yeah but the first one that i really dug into was passion of warfare and the reason why that meant so much to me is is uh, the themes it seemed like, um, you know, what you were choosing to write about was based on something that I felt I could relate to in some way. And when you're talking about this trilogy of records, are you able to go into further what, what that theme is with those? Yeah, sure. It's, um, I, as we, when I was there and we were talking about, the, can I mention the name of the project? Which one? Oh, mine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Moth? Yeah. Moth, yeah. yes. Fuck when yeah. we were talking about Moth, yeah. um, uh, uh, I just, I loved the, 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 uh, uh, how excited you were about the theme and the story. It was as important as anything, you know, the music or anything. Mm-hmm. And real illusions, and and we talked about how important transformation is. You know how how uh, any any kind of any great movie or any great piece of work or anything there's there's something in it that is transformative to a new uh, beginning. You know, a a, a new level. And I uh, created this real illusions it was. It's all about transformation. And basically, it's a story of this town with all these uh, nor- seem- seemingly normal people. And there's this guy, uh, uh, Captain Drake Mason, who came back from the army. And he had gone through this incredible – he ended up uh, having – he lost his son when he was in the war with his son. And he accidentally killed his son. So this man needs transformation. So he goes back. Now he's insane. So we see the whole story unfold through his eyes. And in the story, a guy comes to the town and there's all these uh, subplots going on with people in the town, as there always is. And because we're seeing it through the eyes of uh, Drake Mason, it's, it's all fantasy. And there's this giant, he sees... 
what looks like this giant church-like structure that this uh, holy man built when he came there. And all the people are lured into it. And there's this reflection pond. And when they look into the pond, they see the, the different identities that they've created for themselves. And they see past life identities and all this kind of thing. But they go down into the the core of their being. They see that too. And each song is representative of various uh, characters and their, because then the, the, the story that's the drama that's involved with all of them in this town starts to unfold. So, uh, but it's uh, the name of the place is under it all, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of, there's all sorts of crazy fantasy things going on. Uh, but it's a, a story of transformation and, uh, I I need to evolve in order to write it appropriately. You know, uh, you, you can only know when you have experience. So I've been transforming. Are you meant it's, to be the main character? Uh, I, that's a good question. I ask myself that. Pomposha is his name, and he's like this guy that comes he's like a wizard and he comes to the town and Say he builds pomposh pomposh oh, okay <laughs> yeah. that's great and he builds this giant edifice just by wheel building the church you know and he just by wielding the ether and all these powers and then like it's it's like a living breathing church with all this wild stuff going on and uh he basically conducts all the proceedings i wanted it to be tom waits but that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> were, you raised, so, were you raised with religion? I was raised a good Catholic boy, Italian on Long Island, but uh <laughs> and yeah, I went to church and all this kind of thing. Yeah. But uh I just you know never really there was things about it that I'm like, no, nope, no, nah, I don't get that at all. But whenever I read things that Jesus would say, I would be like, Oh, I like that you know so how does that play because it sounds like a lot of the the imagery in the in the story has has like at least a topical reference to religion right it's it seems that way but i'm I'm trying to avoid that mm. you know because i don't want to be dogmatic about any any kind of religion because i i i think all religions are the same they're just seen through different eyes and process differently and everybody is finding their footing and are doing fine wherever they are now some of them <laughs> yeah well they, 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 the suffering is your greatest spiritual teacher sometimes <laughs> thank god man no yeah. that's so i don't even know what catholicism entails that's like i've heard so much about it but is it like is is that a is that a faction of Christianity or is it like uh Yeah. I think okay. there's like 15,000 different no factions. Yeah, no, I'm serious. I think well, there're more yeah. of Christianity, you know. And Catholicism, I, you know, I never really once I got through it, yeah. I never really went back and compared how, how what why do what's different to Presbyterian and and this, and what about that? And it's all these silly little, one little, well, we believe in the Virgin Mary, but we don't. And it's mm. like, I like I don't want any of that. No, that makes sense. Yeah, it's uh, it's fine. I respect it for, 
wherever anybody is at with it, mm. whatever they believe is fine. But um, I never could really, I never took the deep dive to see what the differences were and what I was supposed to believe to be a good Catholic. So uh, change of the subject just, just slightly here. Um, you, you've produced everything you've ever done. I guess the only thing you ever had a producer for was yeah. Eat Him and Smile. Was that the case or? Uh, yeah. yeah. Let me think. Yeah. Do you ever, do you, did you ever try to find a producer? Did after that experience, you were just like, I'm over it. Well, what happened was I did, I did try because I thought I need some fresh ideas. I need, because I'm an okay producer and I engineer everything and, uh, mix, mix it yeah. and everything. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm, I'm okay. You know, I'm not great. But whenever I would bring a producer in, uh, I never found the right person that resonated with what I was doing. And a lot of that was my own insecurities because mm. I always felt I don't want to bother anybody and just and 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 put them through the hell of having to listen and like my music, you know. And so I created my own little bubble. Yeah. You know? well- that's oh man, that's that's an amazing statement, man. Holy cow, that's very yeah. kind of you, by the way, too. Because I know, I know for myself, I, I, in a in a similar way, I've said uh, when people say, "Why don't you choose to work with other people?" I'm like, "Cause I'm a fucking nightmare," you know. Like the way yeah. that I choose to do the things that I choose to do are so, like you say, forensic. And they're, the things that are going to define a piece of work for me as either being a success or a failure is such an internal sense of, of my own connection to it that you can't articulate to somebody else. And so, you know, in the past, what I find is, is, is I love the idea of working with people because I love the camaraderie. I love being on a team. I mean, yeah. it's nice, right? But ultimately at the end, it's, it's about how do you find a way to create a team where everybody's skill sets are dedicated to their own little corner yet you still have the um you still have the the uh the drivers you know the the what is it the horse's reins right have you ever yes, tried yeah. did you ever try to work with somebody who would mix any of your solo material yeah uh and i was never satisfied with the mixes what happened uh, well what happened was actually I, I just w- wasn't working with the right people. Mm. And and I liked mixing. I liked the process. Um, yeah. The last record I did was a record called Vi Gash. Remember? Yeah, remember of course. Gash. Of course yeah. I remember Gash, yeah. I found those tapes, and I they're 31 years ago and that I recorded that. And uh, I didn't have – I just didn't want to mix it. It was the kind of thing I'm like, you know, stay out of it, Steve. Mm. And I sent it to Mike Frazier. And he did a he did a great job. Oh, I, I I worked with Mike as well. Yeah, he's he's something else. Yeah, yeah. So he's one. Uh, in the past, that sometimes it was budgetary issues. You know, uh, mm-hmm. to have somebody come in, and sometimes I've had them come in, and I would just think, well, uh, you know, and I I tweet, <laughs> but I think that you're right. Having a great team, uh, I do I do feel like I it, uh, that that's very helpful. You know, having people around that love what they do totally. and when it comes to collaborating i've always kind of uh steered away from from it for two reasons um i mean i'm a great collaborator when i 
uh, you know, when I know, okay, in this situation, you're going to work with people. And uh, one of the reasons was I just always knew what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And another reason was uh, I just uh, had to find the right person. I never could. When I worked, I worked with Amy Mann on a song. Mm. And I, I, I really enjoyed that, but I have to tell you this. And, and I learned a lot when you remember when we did pig mm -hmm. and just cartilage, mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that. I re and I think that what came out of it was something special that was different. And it, that, that was really a moment of, of, cause you remember we just sat there and, and I played and you sang and, I, I was like, okay, Vice, step back. You have a partner now, you know. What does this person have? You know, what what let them bring to the table? Unconditional acceptance, and and you know, back and forth, and how about this? And and I really enjoyed that. And you was talking before about. Do you ever feel like you look back and uh, think you could have done things better? Oh, I mean, well, I don't think there's. I don't think there's anything in my life that that wouldn't apply to, but I think that there's so many things to fuck up in the future that I don't have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I also, you know, well, sometimes I think back to that and I yeah. think I really like that. I should I, perhaps I should have done more of that. <laughs> well, there's still time, man. I mean, I think what's well, we're doing it. We have been doing it a little. We bit. have been doing it. You know what I think is really interesting as well is is you know, uh, like you, I've been married for forever. My, yeah. Uh, wife and i've been together 35 years now 33 years right wow. and i think that 20 of those weren't like the the nuts and bolts of it i think that a real relationship where you can where you can collaborate with somebody whether or not it's you know in a relationship or musically or 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 whatever i think you have to be through enough with each other so that you know not only what the parameters are and where the lines are, but when you do offer something or when you say, no, I don't like that, that it's not coming from a place of just trying to get your idea across or trying to hurt somebody. It's coming from a place of, I respect you. Therefore, it's important for me to tell you that I think that part should be twice as long, in my opinion. Or I think that that part there just doesn't add anything to the song, whether or not you agree is is the next part of the conversation but i honestly feel that musicians spend so much time trying to not uh offend each other yeah that's my that was my me issue too. me too man and then at the yeah. end it's like, you, can't, you can't take every anything as, as precious you know well and also if somebody offers you something just because it's their opinion doesn't necessarily mean it's the right decision right it's like right. and that's but a you have to be open to feeling if when it is uh, an adding to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Well, I feel that the people that I know and I'm I'm so fortunate to be surrounded with now more than ever, when they ask, when they offer a solution to something musically, I feel like it's in my best interest to listen. Whether or not I agree, it's coming exactly. from like this person's really good. This person's really, and they're also self-assured enough, and they've got a body of work that's large enough that the fact that they're giving ideas at this point is not just so they can have the idea. 
It's because they legitimately feel from a place of experience that you've chosen or elected to have in your life, because here they are, that this yeah. would be better suited with that. And I think that the, you know, when we were talking about the fear earlier on, the thing that I find uh, this particular process, the one that I'm just entering now, it's like, so where is the fear? Where is that fear? Because it migrates. Maybe it was fear of success for for years. That's yeah. where it was. I didn't want to be successful. I was, or or conversely, fear of failure, or fear of being seen, or fear of being, you know, um, identified as being a fraud, or whatever these insecurities that we have. But yeah. I think a lot of it now, because, and I'd be interested to see where you're at with your process, because for the moth, where my fear lies currently is, what if you don't agree? You know, like what if there's somebody that you respect and you love and you, you know, are in awe of their abilities and whatever, and they've given you a suggestion from the heart, but you don't agree. And it's like, at that point, I think the process becomes, how do you keep your team together? How do you maintain a relationship with people when you can respectfully disagree and on a creative level, I think that that holds a lot more, uh, 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 what is it, trepidatious waters? Yeah. Because it's well, like very intimate, right? Yeah. It's. I think it's based on the situation and who you're working with and what the internal agreement is. And in a situation uh, like what you're describing, the internal agreement is, let's go for the best thing. That's it. Let's find. Let's find what what I like and what you like that comes together. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it it the the question of how do you move forward without offending or whatever in the right uh, agreement. There is no offending, and so much of that is in your um, I- intentions in your response. So it's like having it's a high quality no. You know, and and it, your high quality note does not hurt anybody. It's like, I mean, you. It was very difficult for me when we were even talking about the moth, and I'm like, and I had some ideas when I was listening, and you're saying, you you know, what what do you think, and what do you got? And I was like, no, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to offend. I don't want to, you know. But but it's like then I thought, fuck that shit. Devin is, he doesn't give a shit. If he doesn't like it, he's not going to do it. And that's fine, you know, because. And your maybe. idea was fucking awesome. Your ideas were fucking awesome. And you see, that's what's so interesting. It just, just even what we're talking about right now, how much we can convince ourselves to not take the next step. I heard something uh, the other day. It said, progress is only an awkward conversation away. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, me too. Because yeah. I think it's like, had you not gave that idea that you had, which as soon as you said, it, I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. But I mean, it's, 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 I think that's exactly what I was talking about. Uh, a high quality. It's a high quality. It's yeah. a high quality from you. If you didn't like that idea, I, and, and I would immediately have thought, tried to go to something else as well, opposed to, you know, as opposed to, well, that's my precious idea, Devin. You don't, <laughs> Dude, you don't man. Well, I mean, it's interesting, though, because uh, it's funny in terms of trying to teach people if that's yeah. the intent with something like this, even. It's like, okay, here's a lesson. 
when you're collaborating with somebody that you care about, it's 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 not just a high quality no, it's how that is received. You know, it's like if if in the event where um you had an idea and my reaction to your idea was to ridicule ridicule you, you know what I mean? Like if you said, Hey, you know, I got this great idea, and it's like, oh what a fucking big idea, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. well, that, see, that's not a high quality no. Well, it's uh that's true, but it's also a uh it's 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 past the no, it like negates any further growth because it's like you would just yeah. mentioned the intent of the process should be decided from the beginning. And if it can be as simple as look, what we're going for here is between these two aesthetics, you have an aesthetic, I have an aesthetic, we're trying to get the best, like the things that we get both, you know what I mean? But I think that the the personnel, that's where the team becomes important because I think it's very easy to find team members that are just oil and water. So what their intent is for what they think of as the best versus what you think of the best, you put those two together and it's like, nuts and gum you know it, it doesn't work right? <laughs> it's, it's like beef yogurt <laughs> yeah exactly so it's almost like and i was saying in the in the in the prior podcast that it happens sequentially and it's about how do you identify what those steps are so you can so you can quantify it in a way so in one one process it's like okay starting from scratch we have a blank page where are we at where's our identity sitting at this point in our life you know, what am I looking at here? Yes, sorry. Oh, sorry. There it is. It's it's oh, uh it's got a washboard chest. <laughs> sorry. No, man. I uh but it's like okay, so from there, if you're putting a team together, you have to be conscious about the team you have too. Because if you're putting together a bunch of people that can't communicate, you know what I mean, and don't have anything in common, then when it comes time for somebody to actually offer an idea. On one side, the people aren't going to be willing to implement it because it doesn't make any sense to me or to them. And on the other side, the people are going to be offering things that are just like you have to understand what it is that the you know your your coworkers are are participating with. You've had the same band now for how many years? Like years and years, right? Philip's been in the band for like twenty five years. Jeremy, like twenty three. Do you guys ever write? No. To jam or anything like just like to every day okay. we we uh we collaborate but it, it's more like uh okay here's a song what it you know what do you got for drums uh, a lot of the times i'll even you know i'll i'll tell them what i want uh but um uh usually no is it, it we, we jam all the time every day in sound check yeah uh, we just we have a policy where I I come in the guitar is ready the tape is rolling nobody knows what I'm gonna play or what anybody's gonna play and we just play and sometimes I'll I'll, I'll give some chords or something but then it's all free form and there's parts of the show like that too do you start it every time or do the other guys start it as well or uh, maybe uh, maybe a, a, a third of the time or less. Uh, I'll just say to Jeremy, okay, let me hear your drums, you know, and he'll start something and I'll say, let me hear bass. And then Philip starts and then we're off. Were you ever in a band? Like when you were a kid, right? Like, were you in a band, like an actual band? Yeah. Yeah. What was it called? 
Oh, it was uh, uh well, the first band was with my little sister when I was about six. Yeah, and uh, that was my favorite band because that was real freedom. You know, we that that's I try to get back to that because we were uh, innocent and f- just totally free. There wasn't any my idea, your idea. It was like you come together as one unit, and you're almost thinking with each other. Well, you not almost, but you are. And you're looking for, yeah, no, yeah. What about this? No. Okay. Well then what about, well, maybe that, but yeah. So it was really wonderful. So that was like my favorite, but we didn't know what we were doing. But then when I was in high school and I, I was in all sorts of bands, uh, I've never, I got to tell you, it's odd. I've never really had much opportunity or situations where I sat and wrote with somebody. Hmm. It was always, it was dependent on me, you know, in high school, any of the songs we wrote, I, I pretty much wrote them uh, in Alcatraz. Uh, it was dependent on me. Of course, there was, you know, other guys would come in with ideas with Eat em and Smile. It was pretty much, you know, uh, the songs that I wrote, I brought to the table myself. And then everybody else kind of adds their thing. Uh, didn't Billy write Shy Boy though, right? Something like Shy Boy, he brought that to the table. Did you enjoy that process? Of well, I liked I liked the song. Yeah, so I really. Uh, I mean, I lit up. You know, I heard it and I I thought I got that. You know, you 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 yeah. know that it's in your ballpark. When we were doing the skyscraper record, it was a little different because uh, some of the music that was being brought in wasn't something that resonated with me very well sure you know like uh the song uh, just like paradise mm-hmm. i know a lot of people love that song i it was a rough one for me mm-hmm. i i had nothing to do with writing it i i couldn't i could never write something like that it's not a bad song you know it, it turned out to be a hit but uh i had no the only involvement i had with a song like that was what do you got for guitar who wrote it uh, Brett Tuggle. Oh, okay. Was he in the band or was he just like an external? Yeah, he was a keyboard player. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, great. And it's a, you know, it's a great song, but that's just an example of a situation where I, I would probably be the equivalent of In My Dreams With You. So, <laughs> yes, right. so the lyrics didn't resonate with you. No, man, but it's like, but it's interesting what in what scenario do you think you could find yourself where you could just be a contributor to a band you know what i mean like maybe if you played bass or you know what i mean like do you think that you could do that or was that something you'd want to do do you think i really love the idea of it i really do uh, sort of like you too you know those guys they get into a room totally he just starts playing they play 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 something forms and then you have a song I love that idea. I've, 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 <laughs> maybe you're too good at guitar. Maybe there's the thing. Maybe if you just, you know, you took up lute or something. Or, I know, right? Yeah. But I mean, for real, tried a different instrument. I'm joking about it, but on some level, it's like your ability to, to, you know, like the character from your story to manipulate these sounds and energies into things that become structures are such that maybe if you were involved with an instrument that you weren't as proficient on, you know, I'd be I'd be shocking to see what we could happen. Because, I mean, dude, it's like, I remember when we first got together and you were showing me 
guitar parts. And I, you know, I had a certain amount of uh, facility because I, that's that's all I did for five years, right? Incredible facility. Well, thank you. But at the same time, I was beside you and yours was just so vastly superior to what I was able to do that in a sense, it was super liberating because I was like, oh, I don't have to fucking worry about that anymore. Like, I don't have to worry about the guitar anymore. And in fact, it's like everything that I did past working with you, there's very little guitar on it. I mean, there's rhythm, Ocean Machine or City or the, the first few records that came out. The majority of the of the guitar is just riffs. And I think that had I not been in a scenario with a guitar player who was superior to me, I don't know if I would have taken that step. And it's one that actually served me well because i think um so much of the guitar community when we were kids was just such a cockswinging contest you know it's like and i think still is to a degree you know what i mean it's like you see these 17 year old kids on instagram just like shredding and you're like oh my god but in a sense it's like oh i don't have to do that that's that's great we yeah. We played at your um your thing in new york your your guitar the vi camp right yeah. And I remember it was the first time or one of the first times you were using that synergy system. I don't know if you're still using it for your guitar rig, but I remember watching you play. We we're on the side there and and uh and I was thinking, man, this guy's like like what you do is just so it's so advanced and it's so um uh wonderful that I think man, it's like there's there's no way that you could be in a band and with a guitar in your hand and not be like, dude, come on, this is how it goes. You know what I mean? It goes like this. <laughs> but no, I, I when you were here, actually, and we were talking about the moth and we were just talking and there was not guitar involved and there was not riffs involved. It was concepts. So yeah. much of that seemed like, for me, I was thinking, you, you refer back to Pig and just Cartilage as, as a time that we were uh, collaborating, which I agree. But the other day, that was the first time I thought, oh, that's actually, I think, a collaboration because it was a conversation that yielded a concept that we we're both excited about rather than like a tangible piece of work. And yeah. I think it's I think it's uh, when you're writing. So what are you writing now? Have you got ideas in mind and where are you at with your process? Um. Well, I, before I mention that, I would I would say you uh, brought a great relief for me too when you were singing. Same way that you know you you were <laughs> mentioning that uh, right. uh, maybe I don't have to play so much guitar now. I was like, oh, <laughs> dude, we're even. Then that's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a collaboration. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, these days, um, I still uh, I still uh, document snippets of ideas and sometimes the idea comes just as a mental uh story and i i'll speak it and do it but um i started uh i don't know if i have i don't know if i told you this i started uh, during the lockdown i started an acoustic vocal record mm -hmm, you did yeah acoustic guitar and me singing yeah man I really like i really like that i didn't i haven't finished it yet I, i'm touring so much i know dude it's crazy uh, yeah, it's crazy. I've been out for a year and a half, and I I got another year and a half. Oh God, you yeah, do. So I mean, that'd be great. I'm <laughs> not if I have to sing. All right. Yeah, that's true. Do you? But, uh, oh, sorry. Go on. Oh, so there's that, and then there's um, 
I recorded about four hours of my orchestral music with uh, the Metropole Orchestra in Holland for three weeks and then the Tampa Day Sim- uh, Symfo- uh, Symphony yeah. in uh, Finland uh, for two weeks. So I've got this all this intense work. And it's interesting because uh, I sent you uh, that piece called Expanding the Universe. And that was a live recording of an orchestral uh, uh, show. Yeah, it was awesome. But, yeah, that in and of itself, I mean, my dream with something like that is I, I restructured areas of it, and now it's all recorded. It needs to be edited and finished. But I don't know why, but you know how you get these mental pulls? Uh-huh. I just want to finish it to the point where I'm happy with it. And I'm, I've said this before, uh, and I just want to give it to you. I'm happy to take it. I mean, because I, I just, I know, I know what you do. You know, I know what, I mean, just what you did on the, the, uh, the lost chord. It'd be my pleasure. Of course, anything. My modern primitive. But so we'll we'll see how that goes. But that's another kind of a project. I would love that, and similar to how uh, you know, um, I want to the moth. You know, I I love this. This is it's it's. I've always said when people said, "Why don't you uh, collaborate more?" and it's always been, "I have to work with the right people and the right um, uh, right level." (laughs) You know, yeah, the right, right. They have to understand it and they need to uh, know what they want and know what they don't want and know when an idea comes that is that contributes and is useful and raises the bar without any, um, you know, uh, the ownership thing. And that's something I've needed to get over. Oh, go on. What do you mean? Well, the ownership thing is that the ego just needs to be superior in every situation, you know, and, and because it's in fear of <laughs> it's dying. Well, that's the the main tenant of its fear. Yeah, but uh, you know, it's it 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 has to be right. It'll fight to the death. Uh, being wrong is sort of like. A, a death this is what war is you know egos that clash oh that's interesting that's yeah. interesting it's like being wrong is a death so people will hang on to their opinions that's a that's interesting that. so here's okay so so when i'm working on a project I, I i i can't not i can't not have the project uh just hand in hand with with personal development i mean it's like it seems absurd. I never escape that. <laughs> it's like it seems absurd to stay in one place. So each project seems like the smorgasbord of new fears that gets un you know unveiled after your last project. It's like maybe the last one was like, oh, I was afraid of commitment, or I was afraid of 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 you know loved ones dying, or or, or whatever it was that was part and parcel with that particular period. But then as soon as you're through that, it's like, okay, good, settled. There's your document. Your record ends up being like what I did in in summer camp. You know what I mean? Here's the record, right? It's like, I learned this. I didn't learn this. Fuck this up. That got this right. But then the next step is like, okay, so what's on the, what's on the menu right now? 
for personal growth? You know, like what's what's the next step? Do you feel, do you do the similar, do you do a similar thing? Do you think? I don't give it as much thought because I know that the personal growth is inevitable for, for everybody. And wherever you're at, at any given point, that's where you're at. And your creative intentions are inseparable from your state of mind. And uh, you've been an absolute brilliant navigator of your intentions. And I think that's important to to look back at uh, when when you're a creative and you do projects. Sometimes we 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 think we're putting a lot more into it psychologically than what the results end up. Mm-hmm. So, like you've you've uh, uh, very diverse in your intentions, and you move like that, and you, you know that feeling. Yeah, I think it's about summarizing the intentions too. Because I mean, if I was to summarize this, like, I want to be at peace in my mind. I want to be able to hang out with people that I love. I want to be able to create music that represents gratitude for the things in my life that I have. And I want to be uncompromising in my authenticity towards it. Like, that's it. But I mean, that's the artist. Yeah, but at, on some level, it's like that is a pie in the sky. You know, you put that up on a poster and it looks great. But then the reality is like, okay, well, how do you get along with people? How do you how do you navigate the insecurity of like being around human beings? How do you deal with the fact that being on stage is fundamentally just like not, it's like fucked up, right? And it's like, I think that it's it's when when we're talking about intention, I think it's so easy to uh identify the attention the intention in like in like you know a simple phrase but i I even say to you know my kids too it's uh, it's like you have to really really think about it like if someone says you can have anything you want anything in the world but you only get one choice you only get one chance to make the call as to what it is I think the knee jerk in the similar way as putting these things up on a placard would be like, oh, I want to be wealthy or I want to be famous or I want to be, you know, a successful artist in some way. But I think the ramifications of all of those things have so many trickle down tendrils that each process is like, okay, so where's the tendrils now after the last one? If your intention is clearly that and it's just that, okay, where has that led me now? Maybe it's like, collaborating with people maybe it's being in a band maybe it's like not playing music at all who knows and that part of the process i think is essential in the beginning right for me at least with your sorry uh yeah and uh, when you look back that's what you've been doing Hmm. you know that it's interesting when you look back you said i love when you said um I just want to be around people I love. I want to be have creative freedom. I want to love what I'm doing. I want to, you know, you have been doing that. When you think, uh, if you were to look back and take out of the equation how you what what the what the mental commentary was, you were very easy to work with. You were funny. You were creative. You uh, you moved with a purpose. I mean, I, the the whole retinal circus thing. It was a masterpiece. Just and and I watched I watched the whole process. And so it's important 
for us to remember that. Yeah, no, it's true. It's important for us to remember. Sometimes the mental um, angst that we're going through, well, it's always only ever our own doing, because in retrospect, if you took that out of the equation, if it was a movie and you were watching it, you wouldn't see all those things. All you would see is this creative doing his thing and marching to the beat of his intentions. It's funny. I think that the intention functions autonomously from, from. Yes. Yeah. Because it's like the whole time I always knew what it like through it all. I'm like, I know where I'm going. I know what it is I want to do, Exactly. but that functions while I fucking uh-huh. fuck out the whole time. So it's like at the end of a process where I've gone through all this, oh, what about this? And is it this? And I wonder if it's this. And maybe the fear is this and blah, 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 blah. And at the end, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm finished. And then I look around. Exactly. And it's like, maybe there's something imagine, to be from that. Yeah. Imagine what it would have been like without the stress. Oh, I would have slept better. Oh, my God. And was and and it, it, the funny thing is, is stress is always optional. Well, it's it's something we create. It's optional our- to an extent. It's optional to an extent, but I don't know if I'm evolved enough to be able to choose that. Like, if there's somebody around me that's passed away, or if there's, you know, like you know, my mom had the small stroke the other day. It's like all these things, man. It's like it's one thing for me to think, oh, I, I'm choosing to be stressed about this, but I, that also adds to my mental workload where I feel like not only are you feeling the stress, but you're also not evolved enough to be able to turn it off. I think that, you know, there's a certain amount of like surrendering to the fact I'm like, like you say, I'm where I'm at, you know what I mean? And it's like, and what comes with being where I'm at is that that's still a big part of my life, you know, like finances and all these things that come into playing or it is optional on a technical level, but for for most of us, and I'm sure it's the same for you for for a lot of it, right? It's like, man, there's things that just are still so intense. And uh, but the one benefit of that, I think, is that without that friction, I wonder what I would end up writing. You know, like if you didn't have something to really push your buttons, or 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 you know, a person in your life that you needed to figure out your relationship with there's always that you know on a work level there's always people i'm like why is this person bugging the shit out of me or why am i feeling the way that i do about this but then it it's almost like they they come into your life as this inadvertent teacher where had they not been in my life i wouldn't have realized that that's a trigger for me right well, once that trigger is triggered and you figured it out, those people aren't going to be in your life. This is what I find for sure, for sure. Because you're you're not you, you've already you've had that lesson, and yeah, I I understand. I think what happens as we get older, I think this is just something that happens with age too. You get tired of stressing, and the 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 stress turns into something else, like. Uh, 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 your mother having a stroke. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's it's sad. It's uh, there, there's a challenge in it, but stress is is something different. You know what I mean? Uh, Do you feel like that changed for you? Yes, it's a, it is changing. When Absolutely. did it start? I used to have. I used to been. Uh, 
through experience and and my spiritual studies really meditating uh and and just rec- recognizing practical rea- practical reason and also just coming to the firm decision i'm just tired of, of stressing uh, it's not worthy of me mm-hmm. there's other ways to do this that are that are more powerful more and of course challenges come and sadness there's 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 space for sadness but stress fuck that shit man you know it, i'm tired bold, bold statement brother i mean it's like well what i would what i would ask then is for uh you know for people who are stressed who are creatives you know i, I feel less stressed than i used to and maybe that is a product of age maybe i'm just like my energy reserves just go into like you know, I don't pee standing up in the middle of the night anymore. That's for sure. You know what I mean? Like, I'm. <laughs> but for people who I are, know that, oh, dude, for maybe for people who are younger than than me and and younger than you, who are creatives, that are really stressed about it, like maybe they can't get it off the ground. What have you found has been practical for you to mitigate that stress? That I don't know anything. So the concept that you don't know anything? Yeah. Hmm. So when you believe you know stuff, then you 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 have to figure figure it out. I have to figure out the future. And then once I start to try to figure out the way things should be, Hmm. then I introduce fearful fantasy scenarios that I don't have coping mechanisms to deal with because they're fantasies. And they're all in the future. Stress is only ever created by projecting into a future that's actually non-existent and and then creating a mental story about it that Mm -hmm. causes that causes stress. So if you look, I know when I look back at my past, I realize nothing has happened that wasn't beneficial to me on a real level. Not on a career level. Career mm-hmm. level is fine, but the universe doesn't give a fuck about your career. It cares about how you become, how you find your independence, how you find your peace. That's what it cares about. And it'll use your success or your lack of success, whatever, to get you to that point, because that's the important thing. The important thing is to uh, is peace, inner peace. I, I know you know this sounds weird, but I know you understand that. Yeah, of and, course. And it, 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 one of the things I've discovered is the, 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 the stress is totally self-created in the head. And there's another way of doing it. And it's passion. Okay. And it's acceptance. And you know that because you, when you're engaged in your creative throes, Devin. It's the best, it's, man. It's passion. Oh, All the, everything's yep. connecting. Totally. The right challenges become opportunities. Mm-hmm. I can't do that, so that means I'm going to do that. So there's no, you know, the stress is mm-hmm. is created by the ego in fear of making the wrong decision, because then if you it, it believes if, if if whenever you react to the ego, you'll feel guilt, and whenever there's guilt, there's always the fear of punishment. <laughs> so so somebody who is stressed. So say you've got a musician, a guitar player that's watching this. And they're like, yeah. Steve Vai's my hero. I'm stressed. I can't make my music. I understand what he's saying. I understand it's the ego. I understand it's the fear. I understand that on some unconscious level, I'm choosing to feel this way. What would be a practical, 
like step-by-step thing that that person could do to try and find ways to mitigate that. Do you have any idea? Yeah, I think the first step is done. You've recognized that you're in stress. You recognize that you're stressed and you've decided, this is a tough one, that you don't want it. So that's, you have to align, really align with the, with the, in, with the feeling of I, I don't want stress anymore because mm. a lot of people believe that they need stress to in order to function effectively they yeah, actually the ego the ego will tell you if you don't stress out about this you're not being responsible i wonder if i've got that going on man that sounds familiar yeah me too it's a lie uh so what i would say to those people are uh you're doing fine you do actually in reality you you're doing just fine be friendlier to yourself be friendly all is well yeah no actually, all is well that's actually the truth whether you believe it or not that's the truth all is well True. and you can't believe that when you're in a state of stress and that's fine but all you need to do is uh desire more peace Hmm. and then you have you need do nothing else it'll just but you have to really want that most people don't most people feel if i choose peace i'm gonna lose control i'm not going to be able to how can i control things if i have faith in the universe i've trust i understand that and then they feel like um they 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 feel that uh, uh i th- that i need to figure it out what but you the- can't figure out anything until the cooperative components show themselves and it's easy, easy for you and i to say i think it's easier for you and i to say you know what i mean because we've got some semblance of a career right like you more than i but still i've got a career and i think that i get asked by people a lot of times they're just like you know, I understand it in a practical way. I understand these techniques, but really all I want is for people to hear my work. Like that's it. And no one listens to my stuff. I can't get, you know, I know people who do painting and they, and no one looks at their stuff. And it's like, and to be a creator in 2023, where it's just, you know, it's just this narcissistic uh, cesspool of look at me, look at me, look at me. It's hard to put aside the need to fit in. It's like we're still trying to be part of a tribe, right? And so if yeah, you that's and if you can't if you can't be heard, and it's it's got to be just so devastating for people, you know. And I think well, that, yeah. go well. That's the curse of the artist, you know, uh, or anybody that feels passionate about what they do they they connect with their creative being they create work and I'm, this is you and and they they create inspired authentic work and it's natural for them to want people to hear it mm-hmm. and at no matter how successful you are it, for the ego it's not enough mm-hmm. ever it's not enough for madonna it's not enough for you know so what here here's one thing that i that might be very helpful for people that are feeling that mm. uh, take a moment and look at what you have achieved and find appreciation for it 
you know, if you can find appreciation for what you already have, there's no room for then then the move forward plan is it turns from stress to eagerness mm. i'm eager to raise your own bar not not the bar that's higher than somebody else's because you'll never be higher than everybody there's always people that are going to pull us up and there's always people that we're pulling up so where you fall in that chain does it really matter you know <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. You know, it's it's yeah, relative. That's a, that's a great point, man. That's a great point, actually. Relative. So well, if, gonna... if... go ahead. Sorry, uh, <laughs> well, that's say, what I... I meant when I when I said be friendly. Be friendly with yourself. Yeah. Be, appreciate what you have achieved. That in and of itself is huge mm. because what that does is it. And I'm not saying like egoic, you know, like you. Uh, I'm the greatest, and I really love what it. I, I love my good, though, man. <laughs> yeah, I love my music. You love yeah. your music. There's totally. nothing wrong. That's healthy. Yeah, you know. I think it's cool. Why would you do it if you didn't? Totally. But, yeah. So, so can you be appreciative for any little? I I remember when I was. People say, "How did you develop your technique?" Uh, my goals were short and simple. I can't do this. I want to be able to do it. I'm going to work on it till I get by the end of the day. I'd like to do it. And every little achievement, I threw a mental party. I was like, I I was appreciative of what I had achieved in that moment, not based on what everybody else was achieving, because how can you ever really bring that to terms? You can't, but you can cope with what you're doing and where you're at and when when you're focused on that and you're appreciating where you're at the flow the flow just happens well we're gonna make this uh like i think those are some pretty fitting last words for this man I um I want to stop, Devin. I love talking with you. Well, we can keep going. I just don't want to keep you because it's like uh, <laughs> oh, I got a couple. I got time. Oh, You'll you probably uh, no. Then let's keep going, buddy. I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to overextend uh, this because it's it's fascinating to me, man. I'm I'm like so, you know, I, I struggle with the whole idea of of the importance that I put on the work, and I was sitting with it the other morning. Because I tend to downplay, you know, I'm always very self-deprecating when it comes to things, but that's not truly how I feel. I just think I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to come across as feeling like what I do is of such importance that it warrants the amount that I fucking think about it. You know, like from, of course, I've got my family, of course, I've got my friends, of course, got my health, all these fundamental parts about my life, but brother, like you music for me is every waking minute is it's it occupies my mind the themes the 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 colors the fonts the the ways this lines up with this the way that this interacts with what happened in the past the way this sets up you know and and i think that what one of the hurdles and this is why i like talking about what both you and i are doing right now is like one of the hurdles that i feel has been uncovered recently for me is this sense of like dude you got to get the, you got to get over that man because it's it there's a there's a distinction between arrogance and just i love it i love it it's it yeah. became this real convenient loophole for me as a kid because you know i was a real sensitive kid who was 
hyper aware of stimulus yet raised in a kind of uh, you know uh grandparents are in from ireland and the other side was in from the uk and a lot of this you know overt displays of emotions were were kind of uncouth or viewed as such and so from a very young age i i learned to suppress this i was like okay you don't do this there's no demonstrative demonstrative displays of 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 these emotional kind of uh demonstrations yet music and art became a societal accepted loophole where you can rend all of this in a way that people will be uh you know like they're they're thankful for it in a lot of ways as opposed to critical of it if you displayed that in in other parts of your life so everything got hardwired to that to the detriment of the music for me because it took having kids for me to be able to divorce myself from this sense of of what the importance that i put on the music versus what its actual function is in my life and the function is it is the exhaust of the process and so every record that happens every moment that goes through every friend i lose every you know relationship that we cherish and foster you know throughout our lives they become these starting off points for your next statement and at that point the work becomes well what the fuck is it then because i've got all these fragments of music on the hard drives like everywhere i've got like just like you i've got the pop stuff the metal stuff the orchestral stuff the abstract stuff the ambient stuff and then i just keep folding through it last night i printed like 40 ideas and put it on my phone so i could listen to it and and the whole night i'm listening and i'm thinking it's all interesting but it's all banal because i haven't managed to identify what i'm afraid of right now and until i do i'm going to be skirting around that lyrical and thematic concept so if we're looking at the moth as a transformative essay if we're looking at it that way well the transformation is in process and it's going to require this creative avenue it's going to require this collaboration like between you and i it's going to require you know the conflict that was the last few things that i've done it was it's going to require quantifying where we've landed now that the kids are moving out of home all these things change your artistic dna as a person you know we are who we are but I think the artistry is simply the process. And so when people are saying, um, well, what's one of the favorite songs? I'm sure you get this, of course. What's one of your favorite songs you like playing live? And I'm like, none of it matters. None of it matters. It was all a byproduct of trying to ascertain where this next plateau in personal development. And it's not like a choice. I'm sure you would agree with that too. It's not like we're on some sort of altruistic mission to, uh, you know, like reach this state of enlightened being. It's just, it's like in absence of that part of your creative process being your foundation for each piece of work that you do, what the fuck are you going to write about? What the fuck are you going to write about? And so this is where I get stuck because you write lyrics and I'm thinking to myself, that is a stupid statement. Why would you put that amount of vocal energy into saying that? It's stupid. And so it's like when I'm working with, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with songwriters, like, you know, as you have. And a lot of times when we're going through the lyrics and it's like bat, hat, cat, mat, I'm like, dude, this is 
so banal. And so fair enough. In absence of that, okay, smarty pants, what is it that you want to write? Tell me. And you're like, well, it's it's something about, uh, I don't know, maybe it's, and then I find that the ways that I can really dig into something that other people are going to be able to identify with is to address the elephant in the room, you know? Oh, you're afraid of your, your parents dying. You're afraid of, you're afraid of, uh, you know, all the horrors of the world. You're afraid of the suffering, you know, like what's going on in Gaza and Israel and like all these things, you know, the, the suffering of all this. And it's less so than a, like, a, a, um, you know, making a statement about the, the nature of any of that, because that's beyond me. But it's like, well, how do you face where you're at? And I think the only thing you can do is surrender to it. Every time now there's something that I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of this, I'm afraid of that. It's like in the past, it's like I, I, I don't think about it. I'll continue the patterns, either creatively, personally, professionally, that eliminate the need for me to have to look at or think about those things. It's like, no, I've created this environment for myself that I can function nicely. But as soon as something pierces that, you know, and it pierces it, and I'm like, oh my God, it's a dark night of the soul. The things that I had invested all this worth in is just a projection, like you say, of the ego or what have you. And then recognizing that the work then becomes, okay, so how do you articulate what you've found? Because in order to articulate it lyrically, musically, conceptually, structurally, you've got to fundamentally understand it. And man... That's the process. That's the beginning of the process. Okay, where am I? I have no idea. I have no idea. I write this. Okay, you know, and like you say, the insecurity comes back. It's like, well, you know, maybe this one record had a song that performed well enough that, you know, you're able to, maybe that's my identity. Maybe I need to replicate that. And you go back and you use the same guitar sound and the same drum sound, same compression on the bus, all this sort of thing. And you're just like, no, that was then. It doesn't resonate anymore. Now, Doing that same thing just sounds like I'm full of shit. It just sounds like you are not afraid because that sounds more conscious than I think the process is, but it's like you are less willing to view what's this elephant. It's like, how do you define that elephant in a dark room? It's like, you got to feel it out. You're like, well, I think he's got big ears. I think he's got a trunk, you know, <laughs> and that's the process, I believe. Otherwise, it's all... It's it's like, why would you put the effort into making music, man? If you're just going to say, I'm envious of bands that have a huge fan base because they're just like, yeah, man, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I've been trying to do that, and it just doesn't work. You know what I mean? It's like... You well, just, you're a, you're, I've, I, I've had the great joy of watching you since you were a teenager. <laughs> and... <laughs> You know, and the evolution. And so I, I think the answer to your question is in recognizing your past in that you've always, I mean, if you think of, if you think of Punky Brewster, and then you think of Alien, and then you think of all of, all of your records, you are, okay, I'm not blowing smoke. I don't have any need to do that. You're just in. You're connected. You're connected. You're, you're you're brilliant. 
and and I read the interviews for, for the years. I know. I man. can count one crippled hand the amount of people that I think are brutally talented with with a a, a, a creative vision, and you're you're one you're on that list. And how do I know? The evidence is in the past. Just look at the intensity you put into your work. You're incredibly passionate about what you do. Incredibly. I well, mean, thank you, brother. I mean, I'm just, I'm just calling an ace and haste. And I, it's hard for me to take compliments. It's, I know. I'm not. Don't but, take it as but, a compliment. No, no, but, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you for getting me started in this, man. But that being said, uh, and I, I'm not trying to stop you just because because I'm embarrassed of taking the compliment, which I am. So I am trying to stop you. Well, it's, 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 don't look at it as a compliment. It's just the it's the reality. And with it, there's there that that intensity of passion. There's also that there's there. It's like the art the artist's curse. You know, there's this that. Is, this is why I take it as a compliment, if I may. Because I think that the role of an artist is no different than a worker bee. I think yeah, that you, you are I agree. In, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Agree. So we are in service of something that our role is like, okay, through this bias and through this predicament that I find myself in my capacity to articulate that, which we hear, see, or, or what have you, uh, it becomes uh, not a duty, but a work of gratitude in a sense. I'm like, Oh, I'm so grateful yeah. for being able to do this. So, you know, that's where the impetus for it comes. And, but with that being said, that's why your intent, I think it's fluid. I think that as much as I say, okay, so my intent is cut and dried. It's like, I want to be grateful and I want to be with people that I care about and all this. I think that that refines itself and the nuance of that changes with such fluidity. Every time you release something, yeah. you know, because I saw, you know, I saw uh, watching your trajectory since, you know, since I was a kid, man. It's like, but I see every record. It's like, okay, so this one, you know, Alien Love Secrets. Okay, so it's got a blue vibe and it's got, you've got an aesthetic that you, that you, and you have a certain guitar. And then, you know, it's like all each record that you had, it's like the ideas that you're creating, if I'm not mistaken, you're trying to create uh, an atmosphere so that when people put on that record or pick up that piece of work, for even a moment, they're able to be in a fully formed environment by your choosing. It's like I've I've created this world for people to go into, and I think that's our function as service providers of entertainment. Okay, that's it, awesome. I've always I've always felt that everybody, everybody, regardless of their status, their background, their um, I'm sorry, I'm just that's okay. I'm sorry you feel that way. Uh, I'm, getting over it oh, good. Uh, everybody has some kind of unique gift creative gift totally. everybody has a uniquely creative impulse and it could be on any subject it it doesn't have to be art it could be a business it could be organizing things it could be laying bricks it could be you know and when we find the, when we find this well, the way you find it is you recognize what is it that you do in your life that when you're doing it, you really enjoy it 
and it there's no real stress there's the passion there's no fear of failing or anything there's enthusiasm and that is your function and when you're doing it you're you, there's a there's a quality that flows into it there's a love that flows into it and that quality and that uh, appreciation uh, that flows into it is experienced in whatever form uh, that, that it takes and this is your gift to the world mm. and this is it's vital that see but the the, the 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 problem is the problem the challenge is we're conditioned from an early age to believe that we have to stack up we have to be successful. Mm. And, you know, real success. I mean, there's the worldly success, but the but true success is the, and you know this, it's the feeling that you've accomplished your creative intention, and it's, and you've you you you, you or you're doing it. You're in the throes of it. Yeah, but That's, if I may, man, it's like it never lasts. It's like a it's like a drug. This is why I. Uh, I often I often think that um, the function of being an artist is just fundamentally ludicrous unless you're <laughs> like for real, unless you are aware that it's like, OK, this is it. This is a tangible expression of gratitude. Being able to do this is a tangible expression of gratitude, because otherwise it's like if you think that there's some end game to this, man, it's like, boy, have we got to yeah. have we got to. Well. Yeah. But so you're but again, what you just said made me think something that I think is worth going back to as well. You said everybody has something unique to offer. And I think this is what uh, I think I've been trying to get at uh, for all this time is, okay. so how do you identify what your unique gift is? Because I think all the fear, yes, all the ego and all these things that go into it are a big part of it. But I think. You know, for me, I started by replicating people that I I admired. I was like, okay, so Steve plays like this. I'm going to learn to play that lick to the best of my ability. Or I really love this band. So, you know, the first thing that I do is going to sound like this. But then through that, the work comes in like, okay, so how do you have longevity in a career? This is a question I got asked the other day. And I think that there's it's a real easy answer. It's like, it's a hard implementation, but it's an easy answer. You have longevity by being able to identify your true nature. Because there you go. You're there unique, you go. right? So how do we do that? So how do we do that? How do we suggest to somebody who's struggling? Like, um, first step. First step is um, blank page. What is it that what is it that you that you do if you if you remove all the expectations that you put on yourself? and that you believe the world is putting on you what is the simple thing that when you're doing it you just feel good you That's know you're, great. you're just enjoying huh. is it, it do, are you playing are you playing metal because you feel you need to but you really want to play jazz yeah, that's a, just an example. No, no, it's great. So so if you take away the 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 conditioning and you say what I'm going to be selfish just for a minute. Maybe I won't do this, but maybe I will. But maybe I'm just going to be selfish for a minute. What do I do that gives me, A, the feeling of enthusiasm, and B, has clarity for me because I'm interested. I'm actually genuinely interested. And I see this. 
I see something in this. And like I say, it could be anything. Yeah. Um, and 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 uh, then if you can identify that and figure out how to make a service out of it, you'll it'll expand. Because if you find what you love doing and you don't let up, it's going to go deep. You're going to go deeper into it. It's going to evolve and it's going to take all sorts of different shapes mm-hmm. and challenges. Mm-hmm. And anything that you went through that wasn't that, that you suffered through, mm-hmm. its place, it had its value because it's the suffering that made you finally decide, I'm the boss of me, and I'm the, the way I feel is more important than anything else. Because it really is. Because you can't offer anything to the world or anybody else unless you feel good about what you're doing. Anything you offer outside of that creates dysfunction. You got to put your own air mask on before you help the person beside you, right? Yeah, yeah. Good analogy. Well, so that's a little. It's a little tough, and that's sometimes fantastic. That was great. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it was great, man. I was just. I was just. That's great advice. Really great advice. So, how do you deal with the fear then? Another question. How do you deal with? Well, the, say you say you you're playing metal and you really want to play jazz, as per your example, and then all of a sudden you're like, I've had a metal career. If you've been fortunate enough to have a metal career, so then you're thinking, okay, well, in order to in order to really commit to what I think my true nature is, that means sacrificing this entire identity that I've got so much invested in financially, personally, you know, like what would be your advice to that fear, like a practical If you compromise your true creative uh, intentions, it leads to depression and suffering, no matter how much money is involved. Uh, now, of course, some people, they, they'll they have their metal career and make all sorts of money and they'll go play jazz gigs on the side and that's enough. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but you, you, you need to decide how much success you want in your life. Mm. And I'm, I'm not necessarily referring to the the worldly success. We all need to make ends meet. And most of us are anything above what we really need is probably unnecessary. Uh, But your true success is going to be based on how much peace you have within you. And that's that the barometer, that's the barometer of real success, right? What else is there? Right? No, no. There's so many people that aren't able to make ends meet though. Nowadays, more than ever is the thing, right? It's like, I think you I have think, to adjust. What do you mean? Well, if you're making $500 a week, I mean, how can you, of course there's challenges, you know, how can you adjust to that? You know, I know that I'm, I'm, I can't answer the, the financial uh, issues that people have. We all have to figure that out. But um, to, to, if you are in over your head and I have been, uh, the, I would, the first thing I might suggest is take a breath, relax. And cause you, you're not going to come up with any real solutions, uh, in a state of panic, desperation, or fear. So, uh, it, 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 relaxing and breathing and taking your mind out of your head and into the present moment is your only security 
because with it comes clarity and it's the only place you'll find wisdom for effective move forward solutions you have to remove the for even a moment you've got a beautiful meditation room in in and on your property there so you understand oh very it, much but but question a, for you question yeah. for you as well um what frightens you what frightens me is the same thing that frightens everybody the fear of being exposed what do you mean being exposed as a fraud being exposed as uh it's all bullshit you know what i mean uh, 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 uh fear uh what do i fear so so that's important that's a, i can because i think of i think of a lot of artists that i know too and everybody me too of course my god it's like this sense of at any moment, people are going to find out. Yeah, this that is the, the, that I'm full of shit. You know this I mean? is everybody feels that because it's in the collective. We're not separate. You know, we're not separate. And I'll say this, and it warrants a huge conversation that we probably won't get into. But sure. you have no private thoughts. You what actually do you don't. You don't have private thoughts. We think uh -oh. that we're. <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yes. This is why in the background, everybody <laughs> feels that if it wasn't for that, if it, they make identity, we make identities for ourselves based on things that we believe about our past. And, and, and it, 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 in most people's life, there's that, if only this didn't happen, if only this wasn't true about me, if only this person wasn't in my life, and then it projects into the future. When this is like this, when that is like that, then I'll be at peace. But if 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 everybody if knew what a what, what, the truth about me, I'd be done. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's, like it's not your fear. Yeah. Just the fear that is in—it's the human condition. It's well, this is—I love—I love the idea of the collective unconscious. You know, the—I guess it's the Jungian idea that you know maybe in a similar. I'm not well versed enough in it to. I mean, neither am I. Well, uh, from from my armchair, uh, basically, I think that the basic idea, and I'm sure I'd be corrected, but uh, is that the human experience creates a wellspring of collective information that we all subconsciously participate in. So. In oh a, yeah yeah bingo man in a sense it's like that's where the that's where all in a way that is so in a way that is so powerful we don't recognize so but that's it the the idea as well is that's where all every melody is that's where every song exists it's like exactly. and so our individual roles is just to extrapolate that information from that collective unconscious right exactly and it's all there for you for us but we're going to gravitate to those things that have natural, organic inclinations for our joy, you know? Or and otherwise, then, it's like a confirmation yeah. bias. It's like, if you think everybody's full of shit, then you're going to seek out those micro things in your life that confirm that, right? Absolutely. You have no choice. This is happening 100% of the time. <laughs> Never not happening. We how just do don't you, recognize it. Well, how do you exact a change then? In your opinion, is there a, is there a way to other than just meditating? 
Well, meditation is is uh, helpful in the recognition, in recognizing the 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 quality of the conditioned thoughts that we believe. I just read something. Go. Well, I, I this it's it's uh, it's it's something that uh, it's 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 within spiritual doctrine, but I just read it and and you wrote it on the puzzle. You are not your thoughts. Hmm. That no truer statement has ever been made because I got a free one- cereal box, man. <laughs> Did? No, probably. <laughs> I mean, it's like, but thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But it's true. It, it, it Now, on one level, yes, we act out our thoughts. We have no choice. We're anything that we experience in our life, the thought comes first, and then we see the world through it. We see the world through our thoughts and we attract our attention to those things that we believe we're going to see. There's just no, there's no way around that. So recognizing the quality of your thoughts, I think is the way out because then you have a, an opportunity to change them. If you don't recognize that you're doing it, you'll just keep repeating patterns that are painful. What's the practice once you're in recognition of that pattern? What's the practice one could use to uh, enact change? There's two things you can do. One, listen to me, like I know everything. Go. I don't. I'm just uh, (laughs) one thing is once you recognize a thought that is dysfunctional, painful, and is causing you uh, suffering, once you recognize it, then you have to remember that there's only one thing that you will ever, ever be in control of, only one thing for for eternity, and that's the, the thoughts you choose to think. Nobody can do that for you, but everything stems in your life from that. So here's the here's the 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 problem the the hard part once you have a thought and you believe it it becomes true to you and then it's your reality if i may so the yeah. the whole concept of the puzzle which you brought up so i'll i'll follow up on that is that i think that the subconscious programming that we end up internalizing based on situations that stem back to just the earliest childhood memories it's like even the most innocuous of decisions that we make stems back to i remember the particular one for me when i was a kid me and my friend were walking home from school and there was this uh there was this angry dog that was always in the neighborhood and he ran out when we were walking home and he bit us yeah and since that point as much yeah. as I know, as much as I can intellectualize my emotional reaction to things, which I can, it's like it's like a pathetic defense mechanism, to be honest, to be able to say, oh, I know why I'm like this, because of this and this and this. I got bit by a dog. That's why I'm fucked. But the problem past that point is like, okay, how do you choose to not allow that thought to enact that same neural pathway? Because it's not just the thought. It's not just the, uh, you know... Um, your stress. 
It's this whole underlying mechanism that is connected to every aspect of your life. And that's what the puzzle is essentially meant to be. It's yeah. like, what's the puzzle? How do you solve yeah. that puzzle? Because it stems back to things that are so ingrained and even comfort. You know, like I think about eating. Uh, because my family, we were raised, my, my father's in the restaurant industry. So we often, when we were younger, when we were kids, whenever there was stress in the family, we would we would get donuts or we'd go out, you know, we get Italian food or something. It was like, it was this way to really uh, comfort ourselves. And, and now you're at a point where you can say, okay, I intellectually understand that the ramifications of eating a dozen donuts right now are going to be X, but I also understand <laughs> how that all ties back into comfort that ties into self care on some perverse level. Right. And I think that I think that this is where my question is less about choosing stress, but more about the tendrils of how far that goes into things that become foundational in your existence. And uh -huh. in absence of that, you know, it's the devil, you know, on some level. Right. So on yeah. so, at some at some level, you have to make the decision first. It's like, is it worth recalibrating my entire existence. And I think a lot of people would just say no to that, to be honest. Yeah. Then they'll continue suffering. Um, it, it, you said something very interesting. You mentioned neuropathways. Neuropathway is, uh, and I'm not an expert, but when we think a thought, it creates a, a, a neuropathway in the brain. And then when we go back to thinking that same thought, we don't start at the beginning. We start where the neural pathway, you know, where, where the story left off, and it goes deeper. And if this is a fearful story, that then you have a a, a a hot point. So how do you? The, the miracle, one of the beautiful things about a neural pathway is you can it changes. They can recede, and new ones are created. So the way new ones are created is by and this is why uh, the, 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 I was mentioning two two things, two techniques. One is the uh, the recognition of a fearful thought, the dog, and asking yourself from where you're at, how can I choose to look at this a little bit differently that I can still believe? Because if you if you say to yourself, "Oh, dogs are fine. I love dogs." No, I love dogs. No, it's not going to work. <laughs> I totally love them. They're great. Yeah, I totally <laughs> love them. No. So, what thought can you choose that is in? A, and this goes for money, finances, relationships, things about yourself, your height, your your the size of your penis. Some people, you know, whatever it is, they've got deep rooted uh, insecurities. And what can you tell yourself, and this, this is a process, that you can believe that makes you feel just a little bit better? Like, well, maybe I don't need to own a dog. Okay. Yeah, and that My penis is just fine, Steve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, I don't know anything. Well, what I would say. And I'm not going to hit the bottom, but I'll, I'll, I'll work the boards, right? I always think, well, I didn't design this body, and I certainly don't recall making it. I was just put in it, so I'm I'm not responsible for any. Oh, okay, but when when 
my son was born, the thing I was most shocked about was the lizard mind, was the part of my uh, psychology that automatically switched into something that was not uh, a learned thing. I think that there is, uh, uh, that is a big part of the battle because I think the fight or flight, you know, you're, you're, you don't want to be eaten by a bear. So your body has these coping mechanisms. And one of which is, is just primal fear or primal um, anger, you know, the real primal things. And I think that, again, this is where I run into uh, a discrepancy in my process where I can intellectualize why I do things, but beyond the, the topical stress, beyond the, the surface fears and the surface, yes, no, maybes there's like a human thing that I think is much harder to address. Yeah. Right. So how do we, how do we incorporate that into the methodology of, of, of just basically telling yourself to stop feeling a certain way? Well, you can't tell yourself to stop feeling a certain way. You have to choose to want to feel better. Can you explain that further? Well, telling yourself to not feel a certain way, you're going to feel that way. Don't that's, think about pink elephants, right? Got it. Don't think about pink elephants. So the 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 solution is: How do you want to feel? How how do how would it actually feel to not be so concerned about that, or, or not worry about certain things? You know, what would it feel like? And that that's the the process of choosing better thoughts. The way that you accomplish anything is to imagine what it feels like. Actually, that's how you manifest. It, to already it, have it. That's a big. That's a big ask for people who are products of of like severe trauma, though. You know what absolutely. I mean? Like sexual abuse, or or like being in the presence of some some horrible event. I mean, it's like. Would you suggest that that? Uh, if people are incapable of changing those, those patterns, like, does that suggest that? uh, I would tell them that they're not incapable. Really? Absolutely. Because they're not, they're not, they're not incapable of doing anything, Uh, but you have to choose it. It's a personal choice. Trauma affects people differently. I was a I was a kid and I, I saw a, 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 a friend of mine get electrocuted, and uh, that created a trauma. You know, it was, and, and then sometimes there's there's sexual shit that goes on in everybody's life. At some point, you have to decide who 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 is the boss of you, hmm. and 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 grab yourself and dis- you have to just decide. Okay, yeah. Fucked up shit happens. Fucked up shit is going on. Fucked up shit happened to me. Right now is where my power is. My power, all of my power is in right now moving forward. Not in in fearing the future or lamenting the past. All your power is right now. I would say to anybody, it's within you to find peace. And sometimes trauma is the gift. 
I yeah, know that sounds I do understand. I do understand. I just, I just would think that there's, uh, there's people that that would hear this and then compound their, not this, but just the concept itself, and then compound their existing senses of failure by thinking, I'm not capable of doing that. You know what I mean? They it, are. It's, it's too it's much. I'm here to tell them that they are. You just have to choose that. I know. I, I, I used to hear this and think that's bullshit. You really feel that? Yes, and you mentioned it. You program your you have to be able to program your subconscious. Hmm. And your subconscious is programmed by the things you believe. If you believe that everything you do is wrong and you're going to fail, it, 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 you then you, you you just everything you become a self-fulfilled prophecy. Hmm. You, you, I think you that have maybe, No, I I I do see your point. I do see your point, but I I I uh, I may have to disagree on on a certain degree of that, just because I feel that there are uh, certain people whose whose suffering has gone further than they're capable of handling. I do feel that. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, okay. I agree. Yeah. And at some point, if the suffering is is heavy enough, they're either going to kill themselves, mm -hmm. live with the pain, or they're just going to say, "Fuck this shit." Fuck that shit. It's all mental noise. I don't need to. I, I'm here. I'm I'm worthy. I am worthy. And that's it. That's it. The end of the story. I'm worthy and I'm and I, I'm I'm just not a, a victim of my past anymore. The past cannot touch you now. Mm -hmm. And and so those are the choices. Would you agree with that? Let me just think. Okay, so let's review the choices. Yeah, please. One choice is to continue suffering for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Another choice is to kill yourself. Mm -hmm. And another choice is to just forgive the world and forget just, just uh, it, it, to just decide I'm done with suffering. No, I, I agree just, with that. You know, I agree I, with that. but sometimes it takes intense suffering. So there was, there was two, methods and i'm a work in progress devin i've got all the same weights and balances as anybody i'm i'm not you i know, appreciate not you talking, talking about these things man i it's know like, that what i'm saying important. is true yeah and and i'm and and i'm a work in progress i'm i'm trying to walk the walk and it's working and and the 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 one process is to recognize the thoughts that are creating the the stress and to change them to other thoughts that you can believe that are also true mm -hmm. and keep your attention on those. And that's how the neuro pathway starts to recede and a new one grows. And once you set your trajectory out of that neuro pathway, it, 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 those thoughts is Abraham Hicks stuff. You know, your thoughts attract more like-minded thoughts yeah. of yeah. good. I agree with the, that. The mind of a victim constantly, uh, uh, the the thoughts are in a negative trajectory. So it starts out with, uh, I wonder what I'm gonna, what's gonna happen with my salary next year. To I'm living in the streets and I'm I'm dying. So th 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 it, it, that's the choice. And and you and I are here to have this conversation so that awesome. people can this. totally. This is it. The other, the other choice, it's easier but it's harder mm -hmm. you find the present moment 
you find this moment. So, yes, I, you, you asked if I agreed with those choices, and I do. Um, what I would like to ask now, because it made me, uh, it jarred this thought as well. I remember at one point I had made a bunch of uh, personal mistakes. I had made mistakes with people that I cared about and really like shat the bed, you know, kicked it out, went back to sleep. One of those. And the, uh, the whole process was, and I found in terms of my own victim mentality, I found myself for years, the way that I didn't ever have to actually deal with the ramifications of my action was to have this internal dialogue about how much of a piece of shit that I was. You know what I mean? It's like, and I remember everything you think is everybody thinks. Well, it was funny. It it took a guy who was a few years older than me. He pulled me aside and he's like, dude, when are you going to just stop this? And I was like, what do you mean? It's like, every time we talk, you tell me about how sorry you are and how much you feel like you've made this mistake and how the mistakes you made were irreparable and you're never going to be able to come back from these things. He says, don't you understand that it's like until you forgive yourself, you're never going to be able to take a step. But by forgiving myself, I had to also recognize that I was worthy of being the type of person that can be forgiven. And I think that at that time, my thought was like, oh, it's so comfortable. You know, it's like, I don't, it's like my whole dialogue is set. It's like, this is what I do now is I, I, I feel sorry for myself, but I don't think I ever really was able to address what I had done. And then once I was able to start sitting with it and say, Dev, you know what? He's right. You know, you've just been holding on to this grudge for so long. You've been holding on to this, this, whatever it is for so long that during this, you've never actually really apologized to anybody. You never really sat with them and said, hey, I thought about it. And now I realize that, yeah, I am capable of forgiving myself. I really am. And with that in mind, I apologize. And not only do I apologize, here's why I apologize. It's like when you're talking to your kids. It's it's like if they've done something wrong, I'd much rather him tell me what he did wrong. It's like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not upset necessarily about what you did but I need you to explain to me why I'm mad, you know? And if you can do that, then you internalize it. You're able to say, okay, I understand how my actions have affected you. Yeah. And and at that point, I think, again, spinning around to to the creative process, it's like those dark recesses of your own, you don't realize, I didn't realize, I didn't realize I was, I thought that my actions were appropriate. I thought that by feeling like a piece of shit for three solid years, that was penance, you know, but the work hadn't even begun. The work began when I was able to say, okay, all right, you're going to have to forgive yourself, which is a hell of a thing, because then you can go up to the people and say, I understand the reason I hurt you is because my actions were oblivious to what you were actually asking me for to your needs and by acting in accordance to what i thought was a selfish move and i'm really sorry you know at that point there's progress in a relationship and i think it's even you know musicians you and i do like how long we know each other like I fucking know, 30, 30, 30 <laughs> yeah like i mean really it's like in the ups and downs that you and i've gone through as well it's like yet here we are and i'm 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 watching you and I'm 
you know, you, you went out of your way to make this happen. And I'm just like, oh, I fucking love this guy. You're one of my, you're one of the best people in my life and have been there for me. Like, even in the moments where I was just like, man, like a card carrying fucking shithead, man, you're still sending me, you know, gear and being nice to me. And, and it was just, and I think that had we not gone through all of that, you know, had we not gone through those trenches with each other, uh, whatever work you and I do in the future, it wouldn't be honest. We wouldn't be yeah. able to say to each other, hey, man, like, I don't agree. You know, or you're I, just like, hey, man, I don't actually like that or whatever it is. It's like. And I didn't you, have the tools back then. You didn't have what? I didn't have the tools back then. <laughs> I didn't have the box to carry them, you know what I mean? Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's interesting is when you understand forgiveness, it's it's very easy. because nobody can act outside of their conditioning at any given time in their life you know like okay then you, how is that a choice then if you can't act outside of your conditioning how can you make a choice to uh act in a different way uh, maybe i misunderstood uh well, well you, you you no matter where you're at and no matter where you've evolved to you're there and you can the your, the actions that you take and the thoughts you think are reflective of where you're at at any given time. So, but if you had said that everybody has the opportunity to change their thinking, yet at their current state, they're not able to make that choice. You're not able to make the choice to change the way you're thinking about things until you realize you have the choice. Uh, so, the realization is a separate mechanism. Well, the realization is it's the recognition that you're doing it with the reality you're creating in your head. For sure. But is that is that process of recognizing that you're doing it separate from the choice? Meaning Well, you, you don't on. have a you don't you don't have any real choice until you realize you you can make a choice to change your mind about things. Where where you uh you, you where you dis let's say you're you're just afraid of dogs. Now I know this isn't the case, but let's no, I'd be crazy. Of, what? <laughs> That'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> or or you're you're very passionate about okay, let's get into it. Palestine and Israel. Okay. You can get into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I'm not a I'm not a you know, I'm not a political person and I don't understand that kind of violence i do but i don't so you 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 get involved in a ideology that you're passionate about and it requires intensity and and it, it it's it's you do things that are hurtful and harmful and well maybe we'll move away from that well let's we'll, let's let's take it from a different direction no let's take it from a different direction but i understand your point say um for example every uh, polarized or polarizing discussion that is too nuanced for black and white you know you can look at anything you can look at guns you can look at drugs you can look at homeless you can look at anything any of these uh, uh, polarizing uh, discussions are polarizing because the ideologies on either side are so intrinsically tied to the sense of self, you know, whether or not, you know, you're Absolutely. raised. Uh, okay. So let's take it from an arbitrary 
uh, an arbitrary topic, but with yeah. that same thing in mind. So where were we? Where were we? So uh, there's a certain perspective that we have at a given time, whether it's our ideology about all these things you mentioned, uh, but it changes. And, and then with that ideology, that's the world we personally see. So we personally give meaning to things for us and us alone. You can't give meaning to anything for, for anybody else. Yeah. But the meaning of things changes through life. Mm-hmm. So you. what that says in reality is your meaning is irrelevant. It's not true. It's not, it's not true. It's true to you. It's, it's true to me. But it's not the truth. There's two kinds of truths. There's the truths that we all create in our mind, which are uh, separate from each other. It's it's the it's the reality that we live. Um, you, you know, this, uh, this this phone means something different to every single person that looks at it. But that that and that's our perspective, and that's our reality, and that's the ego's perspective, and it'll fight to the death in many cases, to uphold its perspective. But its perspective changes. Do Anything think, that changes is not truth. So, do, you, do you think that it's a function of the ego? It's to conditioning. Think, to think that the only art worth doing is based on, like, foundational truths. Or do you no, think the only, art, the only art worth doing is the 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 art that you feel compelled to do, regardless, regardless of anything else? There's nothing else exists except that. So so what's so what's the so okay? Someone's listening to this and they said, "Okay, thanks, Steve. That's awesome advice." No, for real. They're like the only. Sure art there's is- a lot of people saying other things, but no, I can't. no, dude. The. Uh, they're saying the only art that's worth doing is the art that means something to you. Fuck the rest of it. Thank you. Okay. So I don't know if it was a question. Maybe that's just the statement because I'm looking for ways to define this process. I mean, this this conversation is a is 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 two things for me. One, it's a conversation with you, which is beautiful, but it's also I'm writing and I'm interested because what I'm what I'm shocked at is is all the artists that I know. We all have a different way of articulating this, but there yeah. seems to be foundational yeah. like parameters to the creative process. Maybe there isn't. It's just it's just you know it's a hypothesis. What what, how, what what are some of those for you? Like what what would be some of the common foundational practices? In order to articulate something that other people will resonate with you first have to unearth where you are at your current state of awareness which requires reflection on your past work it requires reflection on your current state of affairs with your friends family and circumstance and then i think the you know that's that's the way i do it i'm not saying that's that's like the way but i think that's very common yeah. but the end result of that and this is where it becomes practical is people will be able to relate to something that you relate to so i think that in the same way that you say every thought is heard you had mentioned that earlier 
Well, it's felt. I felt. I think that maybe on on a similar wavelength, people can feel when you're when you're phoning it in. You know, when you're when you're. Forced. Oh, absolutely! Right, I totally agree. So that's yeah. I think the found one of the foundational uh, principles for the the inception of any new project. So in the here we are, dude. We're right at the beginning. I got to go to Australia. I, I get to go to Australia. It's amazing. And uh, but then after that. I'm able to start digging into it. And so I'm right in the beginning of this process now. So I'm thinking, okay, so what are these guidelines? And maybe that's the first one. So if you're a creative and you're looking at a blank page, you're looking at, you know, I, I saw an interview with, with, uh, with an artist the other day and she was saying, Oh, I never have writer's block. And I'm like, really? Come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's like, I always have music in me. And I'm like, Oh, that's great. You know I mean? I'm sure it's all amazing. Right. But I think well, that I would say that there's only one person I know. That was Frank, who who didn't <laughs> have writer's block. So what was his? Did he? Did you ever talk about intention with him? I don't. I don't know if we ever discussed. Well, it. I was able to witness it. Okay, please. He just did what he, he did. What he wanted, and uh, uh, in the moment, and uh, I think when uh, one of the things you brought up. It's very interesting is how do you get others to hear and to understand and to like what you're doing? And uh, I think the way you do that is you, 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 you're brutally honest with the music that is important to you. That's one way of winning one. That's one level of success. And the next level is, and this is evident in your whole career and my career and the career of any artist or any you know anybody that you know that creative is the appropriate the appropriate audience will come they will be attracted hmm. the ones that it that that resonate with what you're doing this is very obvious in your case you know and mine and well <laughs> I had a I had the good fortune of never becoming super successful at anything I did. I, I really and the wildly I, successful Devin Townsend. Why? Thank you. you. Have created it's the 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 you have been so fucking honest with your work. There is no doubt. And well, thank you. you. To be you did to, yeah you continue to be but my and you the appropriate audience for you absolutely but see this is why i was i was what i was uh, hoping to get at is is the benefit of never being like taylor swift is that you know or even i even look at this little corner of the music industry that i inhabit and some of my friends in these bands who've had one record that maybe they had a hit single on it you know yeah. like but i never had that and that I think has been my my where the strength has come from because I don't know when I was younger if I would have had the emotional resilience to avoid the temptation of repeating something if it had brought me what I needed back then. Yeah, well, I, it's interesting you mention that. I have a friend I won't mention who, but he's he's incredibly uh, brilliant and never never at a loss for creative ideas and he writes sometimes very popular grammy music 
And the, it, it's possible. It, it, I've seen that there is has been pressure to repeat that, and that 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 is a challenge. Oh my God, man! I couldn't imagine. I see. This is why. I mean, you were fortunate because you. I mean. Uh, you got 10 years on me. So in the eighties, you, you were like a rock star dude, like for real in a way that things don't, it doesn't exist anymore. You know what I mean? It's like to the same level. And, and, but I think you dodged that bullet in a sense, because right at the height of that, you released something that was uncompromising, which I think, uh, was why it was so widely revered at least by me and my social because we were thinking that guy's a rock star but he did that and that's fucking cool yeah well i i think that uh, what happened there was and and this happens to you too it, it, it all that rock star stuff was fun and it was I'm great. sure dude it sounded it was like it was awesome. all the, yeah all the great i'm so glad that i had it yeah I went through it. but it, at some point you if when you're when you have real in, uh, creative intentions, they they must come out. They must if mm. you allow, you have to allow them, but they mm-hmm. they do. And uh, all the time I was going through that, I said, I, I, "This this is a part of me, but it's not me." Yeah, dude. Then when I sat down to do Passion and Warfare, I thought, "Okay, this is the end of your career." Are you okay with that? Oh, cool. All right. I'm okay with it. That's great advice. Dude, yeah. that is practical advice for people right there, man. Yeah. And then I I said, just do what you want. Nobody's going to care. No, I, I approached it as if nobody cares. And what, what, what matters to you? And all that music that was so exciting to me, I just did it. And an interesting thing happened. It wasn't the big rock star stuff but it attracted the appropriate audience for for me that's awesome my honesty uh you know my authenticity flowed into it totally dude what great what a great piece of advice for people and you know there's you know every now and then you you run across uh artists as we as we grow that that um you know you get sick of things so quickly right and then you find you're looking for something new and over the past couple of years, I uh, I stumbled across a, an artist who I really enjoy. Uh, it's this lady. I think she's from Argentina. Her name is Juana Molina. I don't know if you know her. Uh-huh. But her. Uh, in a similar way, uh, I don't know enough about the story, but from what I know, she was a big comedy star in uh-huh. Argentina. Like she was on a sitcom or something. And she said, you know, I want to do music. I do this really strange loop based music and everybody was like, you're a star. That's insane. You can't do that. But she did it and she made some of the most fantastic. I just love it, man, because it's, it's music from somebody who has a musical mind who doesn't sound like they really were like technically knew what they were doing. And in a similar way, all of a sudden that's what she is now. She's, She's that musician, right? And I think that, you know, maybe to to finalize this, because because uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat. I I I, I love having had this conversation with you, yeah. brother. I really appreciate it. But but Dude, to, we should uh, have part two. I'd love three. to, man. I've got um. So basically, gonna have I, a lot of great a lot of great uh, conversations with people. 
Well, I hope to have you back, man, so we can start doing some moth stuff. And and like, and if you uh, if you ever uh, get to the point with your uh, brilliant orchestral project that you had shown me that you would like me to blur um, over, just send it to me because I I loved it. I, in fact, um, my when I became well, I guess no, it wasn't Passion Warfare when I first encountered you it was crossroads that was a huge crossroads. One. oh dude that was like a huge one i remember sitting in the living room with my parents and going dude that there but but the thing that really drew me into your music was actually the last song on passion of warfare i forget what it was love um, seat that's the one that's the one that's a free that's my favorite piece of music that i've ever composed that was the one i heard it and i was just like that fucking guy right there and i remember uh at that point when i was working with relativity and they said steve wants to talk to you i was just like he did that song and i remember <laughs> and i remember thinking when i was listening to it i remember thinking see that is it's a type of creative freedom that uh in the face of the success that you had at the time you know white snake and david Lee roth and all that stuff dude that's like major league shit to do, totally off, off but to do radar. that to have yeah. the to have the balls to do that man was i, I remember th even thinking as a kid i was like i wonder if this guy and i could ever be friends and here we are <laughs> <laughs> here we are yeah i love you brother that was an example of uh just um saying uh you know the hell with it i'm what what uh, it love was it. a yeah in the moment just kind of construction. I should do more of that. Super inspiring. Maybe I got to tell you that I have, I have my folder with all the moth stuff, all the stuff you're sending. Oh no I've shit! Got, I've, oh, I've got everything oh, you're sending. I got sending. tons got more, everything. man. I got tons more. I've been writing like a anything you want to send me. Send okay. it. I've okay. got it. I, I just have Check. to wait until I finish. You know, it's like touring is. I'm just me fun. too, man. I got this Australian Japan thing, and these are I can't wait. I love Australia, I love Japan. I mean, these are uh, what a privilege to go. But I'm so fired up to write, and I feel that until my slate is clean, which it isn't, until these shows are out of the way, I can't commit to like really digging into it. So yeah, I, I, man, I got like so much shit that I have written since you know we first talked about it. And I'll start sending it, but I mean, it's evolving in some ways that are like, yeah, it's pretty fascinating, man. I, 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 I'm, I'm riding the cusp now of, of, should it be this direction? Should it be this? Should it be all directions? Should it be that? Should it be completely abstract? Should it be completely Disney? Should it be like, you know what I mean? But in regards to how this conversation has gone, those answer themselves. In accordance, in accordance to me being able to identify what it is that I'm afraid about. Yeah, and the evidence that they answer themselves is in every single project you've ever done. Thank you, brother. I mean, Good again, I'll, the last last thing I will say is to anybody out there who has enjoyed anything that I've done over the years, uh, it would not have been possible without this guy here. So. Thank you, Steve, for everything, brother. Well, the feeling I'm is here. mutual. <laughs> I've learned so much from you. You'll never know. Well, You'll let's figure know. it out. Let's figure Love it out. You so much. <laughs> you really too, man. You too. You too, buddy. You. I love seeing you blossom and and transform and 
Adam you knew me when I had hair. <laughs> <laughs> you still got yours, man. I don't know how that happened. No, it's it's you know. <laughs> no, you, no, man, you still got it. All right, brother. Have a great night. Thank All you. All right. Thank you so much, brother. All my love, man. See you we'll soon. Talk soon. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. The tools that make this podcast possible, provided by Roswell Microphones and X Vive. <laughs>